Great weekend. Right now, it's time for The Hill, moderated by Blake Berman. Hello and welcome to The Hill here on News Nation. Live look at Capitol Hill right now as it seems like the House Speaker all but ended the hopes for a potential bipartisan border deal earlier today. We'll show you the letter that Mike Johnson fired off to his fellow Republicans. Coming up, we'll also speak with Los Angeles Dodgers legend Steve Garvey about what he thinks needs to happen. Why, you might ask? Uh, It's because he's potentially going to be the first Republican in California in some 20 years to win statewide office. We'll talk to him about all that. Plus, mixed picks, who Mick Mulvaney now has on his list of potential running mates for Donald Trump. Chris Steyerwald also breaks down potential warning signs for President Biden and why lawmakers in Missouri are trying to prove a point by potentially allowing each other to participate in a duel. Thanks for being with us here on The Hill. I'm Blake Berman, joined today by the aforementioned Chris Steyerwalt, News Nation political editor and senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Chris Hahn is a former aide to Senator Chuck Schumer and a News Nation political contributor. Kelly Meyer, of course, News Nation Washington correspondent. Ford O'Connell, former Trump White House campaign surrogate. And Mick Mulvaney, former Trump White House chief of staff, News Nation contributor as well. The Hill on News Nation starts right now. Come on in. Thanks for being with us here on The Hill on News Nation. We start in New York today, where a verdict has been reached in the defamation case against the former president, Donald Trump. Now, after less than three hours of deliberation, a jury decided Trump must pay $83.3 million to writer E. Jean Carroll for defaming her in 2019 when he denied her allegations of sexual abuse. $65 million of that will come in the form of punitive, da- punitive damages. Trump taking to Truth Social immediately, calling the decision, quote, absolutely ridiculous and promising to appeal it. Hello to you all. Thanks for being with us uh, here on The Hill. This broke moments ago, uh, a little while ago, here on this Friday afternoon. Chris, Mick, I want to start with you both. Uh, Donald Trump is basically saying this is a continuation of Joe Biden's uh, Justice Department uh, trying to go after him. And now he's saying the Republican Party as well. What do you make of it? Well, uh, I don't think that anybody uh, is surprised by this, and I don't think that this will probably affect a single vote in the general election in this sense, which is Donald Trump was found pretty conclusively uh, to have provided hush money to a sex worker uh, uh, with whom he uh, enjoyed an assignation while his wife was convalescing from the birth of their child. Uh, this, if the Stormy Daniels uh, imbroglio did not make you say, I don't know if Donald Trump is up to scratch for uh, the character to be president, I highly doubt that this is going to move anybody. It's an intensifier, but I don't think it's going to persuade anybody. Mick? Yeah, Chris is right. Keep in mind, this is the second piece of the E. Jean Carroll trial. Uh, the first piece was where Trump was already found civilly liable for sexually assaulting her. So it just goes right along with what just Chris said. If you're not moved by the first two things, Stormy Daniels or the sexual assault, are you really going to be moved by a a large judgment? I don't think so. Gosh, you mentioned Stormy Daniels. That seems like a lifetime ago when you just said that. Here was Donald Trump on Truth Social saying, quote, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I fully disagree with both verdicts and will be appealing the whole Biden-directed witch hunt focused on me and 
the Republican Party, our legal system, he says, is out of control and being used as a political weapon. They have taken away all our First Amendment rights. This is not America. Ford? Well, he has a good point here. Reid Hoffman, the Democratic mega donor, actually bankrolled the legal team for Carroll. And not only that, 83.3 impunitive damages is going to be appealed. That seems extremely excessive. And when you look at the sort of four criminal cases against him and the two civil cases, four criminal cases are to hurt him politically. The are they going after the uh, Republican the Party? I mean, Trump's not making the case. He, he's a but, but he is the Republican presidential nominee. They knew that not going into it. But remember, <laughs> these two civil cases are there to try to break him financially. He, he does believe he, that there's a rigged judicial system, and I think this he, is the case. He claims to be a billionaire. you got to deter him. More importantly, the reason why he stopped the GOP from naming him the presumptive nominee is it would have triggered fundraising uh, issues for him in paying this verdict and paying other legal fees. There would have been tighter controls on the money he raised. He doesn't want to be the presumptive nominee until July. And I was just checking my emails, waiting to see if he is starting to fundraise off of this. He just had another truth social saying, quote, there is no longer justice in America. Our judicial system is broken and unfair. So, so he's going to continue saying I'll that. tell you, you mentioned checking emails. And here's why I'm digging in, Kelly, because Nikki Haley just sent out an email. Donald Trump's unhinged week, and it goes through a list of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mention any of this. Because, well, Nikki Haley's staying away from this. At well, least they planned that because, because, well, an hour ago. There, there, is yeah. a re there is a reason for that, because in the Republican primary, there is this narrative that there is a two-tier justice system. And if she starts attacking that she's going to lose even more people smart for her to stay away here or? well you don't want to be uh, uh on joe biden's side which is basically the choice donald trump hmm. is presenting here which is either you're with me no matter what uh or you're with joe biden and nikki haley you know nikki haley has a choice to make which is how willing is she to upset half of the republican party or two-thirds of the republican party in order to get up donald trump's nose her need right now is to get Trump to keep doing goofy things like uh, that motion to name him the presumptive nominee right. or other stuff. He, she needs him to fight her, but he, she doesn't want to fight him around the question right. of whether Joe Biden is correctly is, is, is right or wrong here. All right. Joining us now to discuss is Steve Garvey. You might know the name. Yeah. Uh, he's a former Los Angeles Dodgers World Series champion. Also, uh, now jumping into the world of politics, Republican Senate candidate in the state of California. Uh, Steve Garvey, thank you for being with us here on the Hill on News Nation. Appreciate it. So sure, um, let's actually show you. the poll real. Yeah, of course. Let, let, I want to show the poll real quick because California Senate primary race right now, you are actually polling second as a Republican. So uh, folks know you as a Los Angeles Dodgers legend, but you could be the next uh, senator from the state of California. Your, that primary comes on March 5th. Same date as the Republican primary, uh, Steve. You're going to be voting for Donald Trump or Nikki Haley? <laughs> that sounds like what my uh, uh, Democratic opponents were hitting at me on the other night in our first debate. You know, well, it's, I mean, it's, arguably it's, it's running for the most I, difficult seat in America. Well, I said over the, uh, the airways many, many times. I voted for uh, the former president twice for obvious reasons. The first time his opponent uh, looked down at the people, called them deplorables. And I think any, any true American wouldn't have voted for her. The second time, uh, the man was in the basement most of the time. When he came out, it was in a fixed environment with fixed questions. And as I always said, I wouldn't have voted for President Reagan if he had done that. So, um, you know, I'm somebody that holds the currency of uh, the ability to vote 
as uh, something that I cherish. I'll make my decision. Uh, I'll go forward. But he's not uh, on my ballot against Mr. Schiff and Ms. Porter and Lee. And arguably, I'm running for the most difficult seat in America, being a conservative. But the people are standing up. Um, I talk to them throughout the state. I've been from the border to the farming and ranching areas. Yeah, I want to get to you about the border. And we're going to talk about that because it's obviously a huge issue. But I'm just... Sure. I'm just wondering, you know, for for Republicans in that state and for voters, why you just won't say if you're voting for Trump or Haley at this point in time. Oh, again, because it's a it's a personal choice and I've always taken it personally. Okay. I voted for Republicans and Democrats over the years. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to that wonderful currency of, uh, of a privacy of a vote. OK, um, Donald Trump, Mike Johnson, you just mentioned the border. Uh, we heard here in Washington today the House Speaker essentially say the border deal that's being negotiated by by a partisan group of senators and the White House is dead on arrival. This all seemingly picked up speed, uh, Steve, as you know, once Donald Trump said yeah. all or nothing. Do you have an issue with what Donald Trump and Mike Johnson have done uh, in the last few days? Well, what I would do is I'd close the border. I'd take a deep breath. Uh, we have a process that... Uh, Immigrants can start in their country, and that process can take them to the United States and, and then a pathway to uh, becoming citizens. Uh, I think now we have to really focus on uh, the, the real existential problems, and that's uh, fentanyl and drugs. It's human trafficking. Uh, I'm, law, I'm about law and order. Let's get back to, uh, to making things legal. They're illegal immigrants. Uh, again, uh, they should be vetted again. And I think uh, once we do that, we're going to take a huge step to getting back to four years ago when only a thousand immigrants were coming across the border instead of ten to thousands now. What do you mean by shut the border? What does that look like? Well, let's just shut it down. I mean, I, I think that so many people like, are coming so like across no commerce, illegally. Like, no commerce, like shut all commerce down. I, that's what I'm curious about what shut it down means. Well, I think the legal pathways of commerce can come across, but I also think that uh, illegal immigrants uh, must be stopped from coming in. We had a pretty good program with Mexico at one time. Let's try to renew that. Uh, but like I said before, I'm for law and order, and right now, and I've been to the border. I was down in San Diego at the corner of Tijuana and San Diego. I saw the wall go three to 400 yards out to the water, immigrants trying to come across the U.S. Border Patrol telling us uh, they're stretched and stranded uh, every day. Let's reinvest in the people that are protecting our country, and that's our U.S. Border Patrol. Uh, close down the border, and let's get law and order back again. Uh, poll in your state recently, are U.S. borders secure in preventing people from entering the country illegally? 62% in California say at this point in time, not secure. Steve Garvey, we got to leave it there. Thank you again for being here uh, on the Hill. We appreciate it. Let's do it again. Thank you. Yep. All right. Have a good one. Meantime, the South Dakota governor, Christy Nome, South Dakota governor, is at the southern border today and aligning herself with former President Trump by responding to Trump's calls and sending her state's National Guard to the Texas border. Now, Nome has widely been viewed as a potential pick for Donald Trump's vice president, if it gets to that point. Mick, uh, come on in, uh, because you have a short list of potential candidates that you think could get the job. Mick's picks, we're calling this. Let, let's show it. Uh, you, you think this is branding. You think this is down to four. Christy Nome, the aforementioned, Ben Carson, Elise Stefanik, and Tim Scott. Talk to me. 
Yeah, that list is longer than it was last week. You know, uh, Blake, the last couple of weeks I've been on the show talking about uh, folks who might be on the vice presidential list. I always said that Tim Scott would be off the list. But his move last week to endorse Trump before the South Carolina primary really, really got my attention. As I mentioned before, I talked to Tim. He told me why he did that. But again, he had the perfect excuse to stay neutral in that race until after South Carolina. Nikki Haley, after all, literally gave him a Senate seat. So this is an affirmative move on his part, and I think you have to sort of put him back on the list. Again, look at that list. There's no white males. Um, there's two women and two African-American males. I think the president is looking to sort of broaden his appeal. I still think Christy Nome high on the list. She certainly thinks she's high on the list. That's why right. she's in Texas right now. Elise Stefanik yep. has had a good couple of weeks. But Ben Carson's still mm. sort of my favorite pick because he's the lowest mm. profile, and that's what I think Trump is going to like at the end of the day. So, so let, let's show that, that graphic again one more time because you might look at that graphic and say, well, wait a minute, yeah. someone's missing. And that, that someone would be Nikki Haley. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear what Styrol has to say about this, but the longer this thing goes, look, this is South Carolina. I mean, the, the screen behind me says Charlotte, North Carolina. We're in South Carolina, right. and politics is a blood sport in this state, right? <laughs> this is going to get really, really nasty if it goes the next four weeks. And there's, while Donald Trump will always forgive, he never forgets. And if, if this goes on okay. two uh, or three or four more weeks, it's going to be really nasty and hard for her to come back from that. Her viability as a, a running mate uh, depends on whether she poses a serious threat, right? So we haven't had any good polling yet on the state of the race, and we're waiting, and when we see some numbers come in. But look, if Nikki Haley uh, has a real voter right. block and she's there, then she can be make herself heard. If she's, you know, one in ten Republicans are supporting Nikki Haley or something, right. then Trump can dismiss All right, around her. the table my, real quick. Do you have any obje yeah, objection with what Mick said? My problem with the entire list is none of them deliver anything from Trump that he doesn't Um, All right, welcome back here to the Hill on News Nation. It's like 70 degrees here in Washington today. That might have fried the wires there for a <laughs> second. But we're back. I wanted to go around the table real quick just to get your reactions to, to Mick Mulvaney on that on that uh, VP. I disagree. I think he needs somebody from a swing state like Wisconsin or okay. maybe Glenn Youngkin from Virginia, Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, which I know everybody disagrees with me on. But it's got to be somebody who could help get him some votes in a place he needs to win. Kelly. I definitely was thinking Nome, and to see her back in the news this week, that's really interesting as we're seeing a flow of different people coming out. And I talked to Tim Scott this week and asked him if this was a VP audition as he was holding babies up at polling places. <laughs> and he said, uh, you know, no, I just want us to win. So we'll see. But he he said I'm holding a baby up at a polling he place. Was. What do you Couple think? Babies. <laughs> so. Tim Scott is certainly auditioning for it, okay. but the magnificent Mulvaney's close. It's going to be a woman, and it's going to be a younger woman. I agree with Steyerwald off the air, Katie Britt of Alabama, might also be in there as well because she helps deliver Trump what he needs in terms of an image and a profile. And I'll tell you people something. Get ready because we're going to have months and months of this. Yes. Mixed, uh, mixed picks will, are going to go deep because no, Trump is going to get to dangle but, this until but nobody, nobody votes for vice president unless that vice president is from your state. To that point, Mick, you don't, you don't think he's actually made up his mind for that very reason that Chris has said, right? Oh, no, Starwalt's absolutely right about this. This whole thing about right. I have a, I, that he's already made up his mind, no chance. He will milk this as long <laughs> as he possibly can because it's great okay. for ratings. It's going right. to be the apprentice in real yeah, time. Celebrity yeah. apprentice. Yeah. Time. All right. uh, meantime, other side of the aisle, President Biden is now sending two top aides to Delaware to oversee his reelection effort. But as we end the week, are there fresh warning signs for the president? Starwalt. 
here to break it all down, Chris. Uh, you know how you say what caught your eye? Mm-hmm. What, uh, did you see this? Mm-hmm. Uh, so did you see these headlines? Maybe you saw these headlines about how bad Joe Biden's uh, uh third year numbers were in Gallup polling. It's the lowest. It's the worst. It's an ominous sign. It's a disaster. I don't know whether you've heard it, but it's very terrible. Okay. Um, Look at these numbers. Here are the third year approval numbers. Uh, And it is true that Joe Biden has the worst third year job approval rating of any president since Jimmy Carter. But you know who had the lowest approval rating in his third year since Jimmy Carter? Donald Trump. And you know who had the lowest third year approval rating uh, since Jimmy Carter before that? Barack Obama. Seems like there's a trend going on here. Mm -hmm. And we could talk about how lunatic polarization uh, and the insane partisan siloing of this great nation uh, into warring camps makes it very hard for presidents to have good approval ratings. The last time we had an approval rating for president with approval rating in the 60s was Barack Obama for about five minutes after he got elected. That used to be common. Approval ratings in the 60s used to be common. But that's how uh, he really stacks up. But here's what matters. Is he going to win re-election or not? That's what you care. That's what everybody wants to know. Will Joe Biden get re-elected? Look at the and those who lost. What kind of strong correlation do you see between third-year approval ratings and re-election? Looks like none. Looks like basically right. almost no correlation between those things. George H.W. Bush was walking on water in his third yeah, year. Was. It was a tremendous. He had won the Cold War. He was defeated Saddam Hussein. He was not going to do it. And then what happened? <laughs> uh, on the other hand, uh, you see over on the other side, uh, Ronald Reagan, Barack Obama, very low numbers, relatively speaking. They went on. Reagan went on to the biggest win. Uh, in modern electoral history. Okay, what makes the difference? Here's your next graphic. Thanks to Caleb and company. Here's your next graphic. The things that matter are how is the economy in the second quarter of the year? Joe Biden just got a very nice number for the last quarter. It was a 3.3% growth rate in the economy in the last quarter of his third year. That's good. Nice. But what really matters is, is the economy growing or shrinking? And do voters feel that in the second quarter of the year? Look at the down red arrows. What do those down red arrows in the right column in the second quarter GDP, what, what do they have in common? They lose, right? They lose. Uh, Jimmy Carter, the economy is contracting. George W. Bush got away with it barely. It was only one point. He skated. Yeah, there were war issues. There was all of that stuff. And Donald Trump had the worst. It was 33 points. The economy was contracting because of coronavirus, and he lost. Okay, so what does matter? Here's three scenarios. Here's three stories that we could tell about Joe Biden, depending on how the economy is uh, by the time we get to the end of June. There's the Jimmy Carter scenario. Merp, merp. Uh, <laughs> low ratings now. Uh, the real recession kicks in, loses in a landslide. Boom. That's scenario one. That could still happen to him. Second scenario is George H.W. Bush scenario. This aggression will not stand, man. He's doing really well because of the uh, Iraq war and other things. Uh, and But the economy goes into recession. The economy turns around. In this quarter, in his re-election year, the economy was actually getting better. The recession was over. But people weren't feeling it yet, and so he lost. And then there's Ross Perot, the giant sucking sound, right? He had a third-party candidate who made it uh, bad for him. That's the danger for Biden. What Biden's looking for, he wants to do an Obama. Polarized numbers keep his approval rating low, 
but he's beating those low expectations with modest economic growth in the second quarter. And then he turns the focus on his challenger, Mm. in that case, Willard Mitt Romney, in this case, it's Donald Trump, and says it's a choice election. You don't want this dude. It's good enough. So there you go. Breaks it down. Key point, choice election. Donald Trump will not allow this to be a referendum on Joe Biden. It will be a choice between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, and the people don't want the chaos of Donald Trump. D- disagree, disagree with you. As long as illegal immigration and inflation are the top two issues, which they are right now, Donald Trump will become the 47th president of the United States. And here's why. Prices are up 20%. When I look at groceries, it's 25%. Electricity, 24%. Those are not luxury items. Those are the essentials. And let me tell you something. Joe Biden could do a lot on the border, and he chooses not to. There's That's a bill. The hey, There's Mick, a I deal. Want, hey, Mick, I want to ask, ask you, at former you know, budget Hard. chief, um, so Chris's theory there and thesis, and you just heard that, what's the economic indicator then that you're going to be looking at in the summer of next year? Inflation. There's no question. People don't understand what GDP yeah. is. Okay. They know whether or not they have a job, and then they know what stuff costs. So it's, it's not GDP growth. And that's, and that's exactly what happened to Bush, right? So for George H.W. Bush, the, economy, the recession was over, and it was actually growing, but people were not feeling it yet. Yeah. Because who gets hit by inflation and a, uh, a contracting economy Lower first? Lower middle class voters. Who is the last to feel the recovery? Lower middle class and working class voters. Those are the people who are going to decide the election. And so what, what Biden needs, baby, he needs those good wins to keep just gusting yeah, along. Because we've seen, and if you look at, and I know Kelly's always hanging out at the Pew Research Center. She's always <laughs> reading what's in the Pew Research Center. Aren't we all? And, and, the, new, and the new economic trend numbers for Biden mm-hmm. say if this can keep up, people are starting to be a little more optimistic yeah. if this can keep up. But the flip side of that By is what? Way, the, if it gets worse, then they're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Uh, the question you said I like to ask one of them is? Yeah. What caught my eye? Close. What? Did you see this? Did you see this? Pop it up. That is President Biden with the Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar and some union workers yesterday in Wisconsin. Uh, There he is having a beer, at least hanging out with some folks, having a beer, construction hard hat on backwards. What do you see there? Well, we we had a rule when I worked in the Senate. No No singing, no dancing, no hats. (laughs) Never put on a hat when you're running for office, ever. You see the guy, by, you, you cover him. him, what do you see? <laughs> I didn't even recognize him there in the back, you know, <laughs> celebrating. Um, I was actually going to add to this, like, just the whole 30, 30, third party thing. You know, I just think that, like, we were talking about Trump-Biden. I just am watching for more to happen in the end. Here, here. More yeah, Donald Trump wore a hard hat backwards, I'd never hear the end of it in the media. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Joe Biden should be crucified for doing that. Oh, come on. Crucified. Crucified. You know, you know, wait, 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 We've got to run a Give break, a but break. on the other side of the break, <laughs> Senator Mike Rounds, Republican from South Dakota, joins us. The Hill, back in a few. Some news out of Washington today as the House Speaker Mike Johnson gave a message to his Senate colleagues. The bill that's being negotiated by a bipartisan group of senators and the White House that ties border security to aid for Ukraine and Israel is dead on arrival in the House, he says, quote, in a letter to his colleagues. I am emphasizing again today that House Republicans will vigorously oppose any policy proposal from the White House or Senate that would further incentivize illegal aliens to break and break our laws, end quote. Now, the House Speaker also says his chamber will vote on articles of impeachment against the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas as soon as possible, potentially as early as next week. 
Now, the letter comes after Donald Trump posted, quote, a border deal now would be another gift to the radical left Democrats. They need it politically and don't care about our border. Chris, uh, what about that from Donald Trump? What about that from the House Speaker? Well, when the goal of politics is to break the system and make sure that the system doesn't work, you get frustrated voters. And then the frustrated voters vote for people who say they're going to come break the system more. And it just intensifies and intensifies. It's a baklava of disappointment and frustration. And, you know, it's just it's it's heartbreaking. You know, Mitch McConnell took a lot of heat for saying to Senate Republicans, uh, our dreams of doing our jobs uh, are, are probably going to be dashed by Donald Trump's position. Took a lot of heat for that, but he was just telling the truth, right? right? The, the appetite for Senate Republicans to take a chance on this. So they get, and Obama did it to Marco Rubio long ago. Yeah. Uh, and we've 2013. Seen, yeah, we've seen it happen again and again, which is if you want, if you're ambitious and you want to get ahead, you better not get caught doing your job well. See, I reject the entire premise of the narrative of a border deal. Joe Biden created this crisis on his own, and he has the power through executive action to mitigate it. We have three and a half million illegals. Oh, I, I hear Republicans but, saying, but, but that is, but, President Biden, take executive action. And, I mean, he, did, and he did. Yeah. He did in 2010 and 2012. When there was an election for Obama, he started deporting uh, people. And in the Senate deal, if they don't if they don't detain people, they don't deport people, and they don't have them sit in asylum we, we, in their home we, country in Mexico, we, we've it's had not a broken happen. immigration system. Nick, is this you. bad policy no, or bad politics or both? Well, let's just look at the politics of it, because the policy of it is, 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 is very, very deep and, and complicated. But Trump might be missing an opportunity here, because let's fast forward. Let's play chess for a second. Let's say he wins. Let's say a deal doesn't get done, and he wins. And they find out when he's in charge that he can't do much better, right? Maybe he could. Maybe his, his, his DHS person is certainly going to be better than Mayorkas. There's no question about that. But maybe things are so broken that they need legislation to fix it, and he might not be able to get that done. So he's all might be better off. I think at least you could make the case that he's almost a little bit better off for them to do the deal now so his, his fingerprints aren't all over it. I got to disagree with the magnificent Mulvaney on this one. <laughs> Joe Biden can quash 80% of this problem all by himself. Remember, remember, under Trump, the worst we had was 850,000 people. Hold on, Nothing hold on, has hold changed. On. So you're, you're saying executive action. Mick, Democrats loved it when Donald Trump took executive actions, right? No, of course not. Oh, yeah, the other was, party always screams yeah. when the sitting right. president the border takes is executive different. action. I, but well, on the border I, is different. Okay, Barack well, Obama did it when why, he had to. This is why we all hate Washington. Because there's a compromise to be had here. There are good people in Washington that want to make the compromise. And then there are some people that only care about the next election. And the problem with Washington is the next election is always less than two years away. This happened in 2013, as Chris pointed out. It's happening again now. And it's on the same issue. We haven't had real immigration policy in this country uh, in a very long time. There's a market driving people here. we got to figure this out. Congress is making a good step here. They're providing the funds you need for the border. Democrats right? have been Where is the money? Where is the money? Where do you want me to take the money from to do the border. Part of this bill does that. We, no, Congress, needs to not. do you that. Even That's Congress's And then I want to get to Senator Rounds. Mick? Senator Rounds. Yeah, real quickly, I'm just thinking back to the government shutdown back in 2019. You know, we tried to do everything we possibly could, but we could not get enough money from the, from the Congress. What makes people think that 
even if the Democrats are not in charge of the Senate, they're going to give us the money we need to do the border. I just see history repeating okay. itself. And we, we did better on the border than Biden. There's no question about it. But I'm not sure we'd be able to fix it entirely without Congress going along. And right. I just don't see that happening under Trump. Okay. Mm. All right. Come on in, uh, Republican senator from the state of South Dakota, Mike Rounds, joining us live here on the Hill. Senator, Friday afternoon, 630 here on the East Coast. We appreciate <laughs> you sticking around and joining us. You've been listening to some of that, I'm sure. Um, Tom Tillis, your colleague, Republican, North Carolina, said it is, quote, it's reported that he said, quote, it is immoral for me to think that you look the other way because you think this is the linchpin for President Trump to win. Do you agree with your Republican colleague that what's going on is, quote, unquote, immoral? The discussion that you're talking about was taking place in our conference discussion, and it was a lot more civil than the discussion that you guys are having right now. But it was a lot of us talking about the path forward. And we really do believe that the, that the security at the southern border is definitely broken. Uh, we understand that there's politics involved in it. But the bottom line is, is right now, before an election, uh, with 302,000 people coming across the border in, in December, uh, it's very clear that we need to do something. When we go back home and we talk to the folks back there, one of the first things so they say is, say, what's Senator, wrong with you that you need Why to do you something- fix this? Yeah, I hear you, and I hear members of, of the, the Senate and the House all the time say they go back home, and, and those are the things that they hear. But if you say that we need to fix the border, are Donald Trump and the House Speaker in the wrong for saying <clears throat> that what's being negotiated is dead on arrival? Look, I, I, if, if you listen to what the Speaker said, and, and I, I happen to, at least we've been told anyway, that he has had a number of discussions with folks that are in the negotiations and, look, I, I think the thing that we're supposed to do is to do the best job we can at addressing two major issues, parole and asylum. Those are both areas that, if, if correctly addressed, we can reduce significantly the number of individuals that will ever even come to the border in the first place. And the cartels will not be able to tell them that if I can get you to the border, all you've got to do is walk in and ask for a plane ticket to someplace in America and you'll get a court date seven years later. So what we're trying to do is address the problem itself. It's also the same kind of stuff that the previous administration wanted to be able to utilize because Title 42, which is what they used to stop a lot of it, can't be used right now because we're not in the middle of a pandemic. So we want to give the next administration these tools. At the same time, we had 302,000 people coming across in December. We can't put up 300,000 people during the entire 2024 time period and expect to be able to go home and say, Wait, we're really working hard at getting something done. We, we definitely want to make sure, look, we haven't seen the final uh, recommendations, so okay. we're going to hold our judgment until we actually see them. But I can just tell you this much, it would be a mistake on our part if we didn't do the best we could to fix this problem long-term for our country. So in this particular case, yeah, we're going to take a little bit of heat until such time as the American people actually get a chance to see what we're trying to get done, and then I'm prepared to, if I vote for it, I'll go home and defend it. Okay. Um, speaking of voting, uh, you have not endorsed Donald Trump yet. You ready to do that? Not yet. Look, I, I, I thought that uh, Tim Scott was the right guy for the job. I thought he was uh, one of these guys that uh, really brought back in that sense of trust, that sense of, of uh, listening to other people, working together, bringing together a team. And I thought he'd be the right guy for the job. I, I told him the other day, I said, I'm really sorry, Tim, that you're not still in the race. 
but uh, he was my choice on it, and there were a couple of us that felt that way on it. In the meantime, there's a long ways to go in this election process, and uh, uh, I can hold my powder dry. And besides that, I'm not sure <laughs> okay. anybody yeah. around the country really listens to, to, to exactly who the members of the United States Senate are recommending to them. Fair enough. But let me ask you this. Um, uh, the governor from your state, Christy Noem, being talked about as a potential vice presidential candidate uh, for, for Donald Trump. You say folks don't listen to what, you know, uh, senators uh, endorse or don't endorse. But you know Christy Noem fairly well, Senator. Do you think she has what it takes to potentially be the next vice president of the United States? It's not a matter of what I think. It's what okay. does the presumptive nominee think? And in this particular case, we know there are two items that he deeply cares about. Number one, is that person going to be absolutely loyal to him, period? And number two, do they look the part? Would they make the casting screen? And you know what? She's got a lot going for her. Okay. Got to leave it there. Senator Rounds, again, we appreciate the time, sir. Have a great weekend, and we hope to talk to you soon. All right. You bet. Thanks. Yep. Um, we interview lawmakers all the time on this show, as you know, and sometimes their objective is just to come here, spitfire, talking points, et cetera. I did not find that there. Like, my, that was a oh, fairly reasoned, refreshing yeah. interview. Yeah. yeah. Mike, yeah. Round, Mike Rounds, I got to say, whatever you think of his politics or his party, he's a peach. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he's circumspect. There's some humility in the way that he talks. Uh, and obviously he was dodging your questions, but he was dodging them in a deferential, respectful way, taking it back to the voters. More of, I, I, I like it when they wear neckties more. You know, but, more, did, but more of that generally, please. I did find yeah. it interesting, though, that he said, we're willing to take the heat now. Yeah. Right. But let's see what a deal potentially does or does not look like. Well, look, he says, if it's something I vote for, I'm going to defend it. And I think that they've got a defensible deal right now. I also think the American <laughs> people want to see progress, not stagnation. So I think that... You know, the senators are going to come up with a deal. I don't think it goes anywhere. I, I, I like where his heart's at. My problem is I cannot trust President Biden and the Democrats in the Senate because they just went to the Supreme Court to undo border security in Texas. I'm sorry. They are no, no, not no, been they serious the about border to, security since 2006 and the supremacy of the federal you, government in border do you, security. Do you remember no, it was Obamacare and John McCain's big thumbs down? Yes, yep. sir. And do you remember how Republicans said we have to have total control of Congress and the presidency in order to deliver on our nine-year promise to defund Obama, or to, to remove Obamacare and replace it. And then they got in, and they didn't have a plan, and it didn't happen. And we've watched it happen on the border. We've watched it yeah. happen on health insurance. We've watched it happen on a host of issues on which there is broad consensus in the United States. But these knuckleheads in Washington, every, as you said, the election's only ever two years away. So the desires of most vo- we have a We have a Congress, Mr. Berman, mm-hmm. that is... Democratically elected, but not representative, and that's a problem. Yeah. And real quick, Kelly, you cover President Biden daily. That's what he's dealing with. Yeah. I mean, I think they are hopefully inching closer to getting something done. I mean, I know we were talking about this for months now, or years now, really, but over the Christmas holiday, um, and and they are getting closer. I think we heard from uh, Karine Jean-Pierre at the podium today. They want to get there. Um, Well, Mike Johnson and Donald Trump allow. Exactly. All right. Uh, Coming up here on the Hill, is the wild, wild west making a return? Why some lawmakers want to bring back, you ready? Duels. Duels. Yes. And Bill Belichick and politics, don't worry, he's not running for office, at least not that we know of. But ahead ahead of one of the biggest weekends in football, we'll pose a question about that man right there that might get you thinking. The Hill on News Nation, back in a few. Play and Alexa. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Kathleen Eubanks-Ming with the American Academy of Family Physicians. Bullies use power, strength, or popularity to hurt others emotionally or physically. And while you can't be with your child all the time, there are ways you can help. If your child encounters a bully, tell them to get to a safe place and tell an adult. You can also show them how to block online bullies. Teach them they can be more than a bystander and that they can help their peers. For more on bullying, visit FamilyDoctor.org or talk with your family physician. Meet Keith, loving dad, board game champ, bus driving pro. I drive 65,000 miles in my bus each year. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. Like how there are some things I simply can't see. On my route the other day, a car tried to sneak past me and ends up right in my blind spot. I turned slowly, so accident avoided. But no car should be in the blind spot for a 40,000-pound bus. It's It's our roads. It's It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. I need answers to my tax questions. Where can I find them? Need answers? Try our interactive tax assistant on irs.gov forward slash ITA. Simply select your tax questions, provide your information, and it gives you answers. Also, check our help and resources page and try our online tax map, 5,000 tax topics from A to Z. Plus, you can access forms, publications in a variety of formats. This is News Nation, news that's fact-based and reliable. That's why we're America's fastest-growing cable news network. My mom has taken up going to the park to practice yoga. My dad's going to a club, but not a book club, a salsa club. Finding new hobbies comes with age. My mom has started getting lost and not knowing where she's going. Becoming lost or disoriented doesn't. Confusion with time or place may be a sign of Alzheimer's. An early diagnosis can help improve the quality of life for your loved one. Learn the warning signs of Alzheimer's at 10signs.org. Brought to you by the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Pass it on. Today my bank made a big mistake, but I forgave them. My server spilled water on me, but I forgave him. My toddler drew lipstick on the wall. Was I ever mad? It got me thinking. I can forgive my bank and my server, but I'm upset with my own kid? I mean, what's most important here? So, tonight, the two of us are doing lipstick art. On paper. Forgiveness is in you. Pass it on. From PassItOn.com. Many Americans have missed regular dental care in the past few years. It's important to see a dentist twice a year to identify any problems early. Taking care of your oral health helps overall health. Brushing at least twice a day with fluoride toothpaste and flossing daily can help prevent oral health problems. For more information, visit hrsa.gov slash oral dash health. sets of theme here your favorite sitcoms from the 80s and 90s are all in one place rewind tv just go to rewindtv.com and check it out smokey the bear then you know why smokey tells you when he sees you passing through remember please be careful it's the least that you can do don't play with matches don't play with after 80 years of learning his wildfire prevention tips, Smokey Bear lives within us all. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com and remember, only you can prevent wildfires. Brought to you by the USDA Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Wow. 
in the Missouri legislature. There is a dispute between the Republican leadership and the Missouri Freedom Caucus, and the tension is leading to an unusual proposed rule to help state politicians settle their differences. Uh. A duel at high noon. Quote, if a senator's honor is impugned by another senator to the point that it is beyond repair, such senator may rectify the perceived insult by challenging the offending senator to Please. a duel. Please there, tell me th- it's a gag. This is like pointing right. out how crappy things are in politics right so now. So it's a gag. It's kind of like a gag. They don't a little really bit. want They put this forward just to show how wretched things have got. I feel like you've been sitting in the middle of a duel right now. Yeah. I used to. I think I'm just separating this right now. Just, just keep it. But it just, the fact that it gets to this just kind of shows where we are, right? Does it yeah. not? Look, violence has no place in American politics, period. And for that lawmaker to bring that up, uh, it's an assignation that I will not uh, tolerate. I think sometimes you kind of just need to <laughs> no, wean no, no, the no. fat off in politics, and some people need to go away. I don't think you need to do it by duel, but we've done it by duel in the past. Of course, the most, are what replaced duel, the most right? famous one, of course, the uh, Burr Hamilton duel. Alexander there you go. Burr, uh, Aaron Burr, Alexander Hamilton, high level duel, 1804. You know the story there. Missouri, they're considering it again yeah. as sort of just saying, you know what? We need to move past this kind yeah. of stuff. All right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of looking forward, Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, two weeks away. Bud Light, by the way, is using its valuable ad space to kickstart a comeback tour. Bud Light, formerly, formerly the best-selling beer in the U.S., has released a teaser clip of its upcoming Super Bowl ad. Ooh. Watch. I don't know what it's about. I think that might be Peyton Manning. He's been in a commercial for them. Who knows? But uh, Bud Light, of course, lit up social media for months after a sponsorship deal with the transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney set off boycotts, backlash. This was dividing along political lines. Conservatives like you were none too thrilled about it. Well, Bud Light dug its own grave. If they actually want to be back and be the king of the market, just go to the Florida-Bama line, put Peyton Manning there, and you'll get right back on top. They were idiots. They they, They bit the hand that fed them. Come on. They give one a, a six-pack of beer to a, a social media influencer. You don't drink beer. And people lose their shirts over it. I was going to say something else. Uh, but it is ridiculous to me how people get all offended by it. Let her live her life. I know conservatism is about no, I, not caring I'm, how people I'm not blaming Dylan Mulvaney. I'm blaming Bud Light. this one out, Kelly? Kelly, you're, you're in the demilitarized zone. I, did, I was just going to say, is the Bud Light Budweiser the Frog commercial oh, back in the day? Oh, I like okay. that. Can we go back uh, to that one? I <laughs> Until they have the frog and they right. somehow say So, the right by the way, speaking thing. of football, it got me thinking. Bill Belichick, of course, uh, he's won six Super Bowls, right? There's two head coaching openings in the NFL right now. Bill Belichick has not gotten a head coaching offer at this point in time. So I wonder, and Mick Mulvaney, come on in. Um, if you could pull someone off the political sidelines and put them in the game, who would you put in the game? Well, I've got the opposite because there's actually something happening down here in South Carolina that's got a lot of us scratching our heads. I'm going to do the other side, which is if you have saw someone coming in off the sidelines, who would you please say, no, stay on the sidelines? There's rumors coming out of Charleston that Marshall C. Sanford Jr. is talking about making yet another political comeback. (laughs) That's right. 
Mark Sanford, okay. the king of the Appalachian Trail, is talking about running again. We're sort of hoping he stays on the sidelines. So I know it's not the exact answer to your question, but sort of. No, that's an interesting one. Who do you want off the sidelines? I'd side like line? to see CE, uh, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon put okay. his money where his mouth is. He may be a Democrat, but I want him to step in. Who do you want off the sidelines? Um, I'm just going to go back to the folks I covered early when I came to D.C., but I was going to say John Boehner would be really interesting. Oh, oh. Boehner would be interesting. Marco my first campaign, Jerry Brown, 1992. I was 18 years old, uh, but I, I'm going to say Howard Stern. Hey now to all of our serious XM uh, listeners. I know the correct okay. answer, and I know who it is, and it's Mick Mulvaney. That's oh, right. Oh, Mick Mulvaney. Isn't Budweiser already in trouble because of Mick Mulvaney? I thought that was a whole problem. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. You can respond to that maybe on Monday. Tuesday uh, morning. Tuesday I'll see you there. Morning. All right. The rest of the all fun <laughs> show. I'll be back. Other side of the break. Uh, Leland Vitter joins me. Stay with us. The Hill returns. Tonight, a News Nation exclusive. These three men found frozen to death in their friend's backyard. As the mystery deepens, Chris talks with the women who have children with two of the victims. Tonight on Cuomo, only on News Nation. All right, welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation. So it's now almost four months into the war between Israel and Hamas. And now President Biden is signaling that he might want the war to be over by the end of this year. Axios is reporting that the president told Israel's prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, when they spoke last week, that he is not in it for another year of war in Gaza. It, of course, comes as new polling shows uh, that the president has some troubles with young voters. Is Israel committing genocide against Palestinian civilians? Forty nine percent of those between 18 to 29 say yes. And half of those who voted for President Biden in 2020 feel the same. Joining me now, host of On Balance, Leland Vitter. Leland, I saw that mm. headline. Is it fair to connect that headline to those sort of two? I think, it, I think it's very fair. We've been expecting this, right, yeah. in, in talking about what's happening. If only war followed election timelines, it would make presidents' lives mm-hmm. a lot easier, right? These 49% are probably the same 49% who thought that Hamas uh, was in the right in the October 7th attacks. You and I talked about the, that polling a lot. I think what's interesting is is that this leaking and this happening in a way makes the war last longer. The con- the, the conversation. The, the conversation yeah. because it emboldens Hamas to know that Israel's under pressure. And these two hadn't talked for weeks, President Biden and the Israeli yeah. prime minister. Yeah. And to think that when they do get on